Welcome to The Baton, a John Williams musical journey. Join host Jeff Cummings as he takes you through the career of the illustrious film composer John Williams, starting with his debut in 1959 through more than 100 films in 60 years. Now here's your host, Jeff Cummings. Welcome back. It is so great to have you here for this episode. After writing music for just one film in 1968, John Williams was hard at work for three 1969 releases. If not for some divine intervention, Williams would have only been involved in two productions that year, but still enough to keep him occupied. Let's talk about the first film released that year, the thriller Daddy's Gone A-Hunting. For those who have not seen the film, imagine a less tense version of the 1987 film Fatal Attraction with the gender roles reversed. It is by no means a great movie. If I were an executive at National General Pictures, I would have put this out as a B movie. But it was directed by the man who helmed Valley of the Dolls two years earlier with big box office success. And I bet the distributor was banking on a hit based on Mark Robson's name alone. And it was Mark Robson who brought John Williams into the project. Based on production dates that I've uncovered online, Williams was already committed to work on Goodbye Mr. Chips in London when he was asked to score Daddy's Gone A-Hunting. Perhaps it was a way of saying thanks to Robson for providing him the opportunity to compose a great score to Valley of the Dolls and get an Oscar nomination from it, but Williams took on the job. What surprises me, though, is the small amount of music John Williams applied for this film, an estimated 30 minutes for a 108-minute film. Before we talk about the score, here's a brief rundown of the plot, with some spoilers coming. Kathy is a British woman who arrives in San Francisco looking for a new life. Not one minute after she leaves the airport terminal, she's hit in the head with a snowball by Kenneth. I don't know how a car in San Francisco managed to have snow on it, and no one seems to care much about that, but that's how Kathy and Kenneth meet. He helps her get a job in an advertising agency, and they quickly move in together. Kenneth is a photographer, but he's not getting much work, and Kathy breaks up with him because he seems to be sponging off her. Later, Kathy finds out she's pregnant, but won't get back together with Kenneth. She decides to have an abortion, which upset Kenneth, and that's when things turn weird. He stalks Kathy, swearing revenge, and it comes after Kathy marries a politician and gives birth to a baby. Kenneth kidnaps the baby, but really wants Kathy to kill the baby to make everything even. This was to be the first true thriller movie for John Williams, and even though the movie wasn't good, I expected many opportunities for Williams to test out some Bernard Herman-esque music styles. Herman was Alfred Hitchcock's go-to composer, and Herman's work on Psycho, Rear Window, and Vertigo stand as some of the best music for movie thrillers ever composed. What Williams composes has some flair to it, but again, there isn't much of it. The finale, which lasts about 15 minutes, 
features absolutely no music until the final minute. I've discussed in other episodes how the composer and director sit and watch a version of the film and talk about where music should go. I wonder if the words restraint and subdued were used in their initial conversations because that's pretty much how I would describe the score. I would also describe it as innovative with Williams bringing out different sounds from the orchestra to convey the mood. Before we dive into the score, let's talk about the theme song that opens the film. John Williams tasked Dory Previn, who wrote the lyrics for the Valley of the Dolls songs, to help write a song for the opening credits. The song is called Daddy's Gone A-Hunting, and I thought that was copyright infringement because it was also the title of this lullaby. But that song is called By Baby Bunting, and the Williams Previn song includes a bit of the lullaby in the chorus. The way Williams and Previn construct the song makes it sound so innocent, and that's the way Kathy is at the start of the film, ready to start a new life in San Francisco. I also like the funky guitar that opens up the song. Goodbye to the doll in the carriage. Bye, goodbye to the single bed. Take the toys, the blind man's box, the baby's games are not enough. Bye, goodbye to the raggedy Andy. Bye, goodbye to the gingerbread. Take the magic carpet ride. The witch's room is laid aside. Bye to baby bye. In the single bed Fairy tales are ended now Baby fell and broke the bow The witch's broom can only fly So hard The underscore in the first 45 minutes of the film is very good. We get a few different styles, including some of Williams' most experimental writing up to that point. 
Not long after Kenneth and Kathy meet, we get a montage of the two in their separate living quarters. We see Kathy taking a shower and Kenneth lying in bed, probably thinking about Kathy taking a shower. The music has an air of mystery around it with the piano offering some clues about the direction this story is heading and also featuring a bit of the theme song's melody. Once Kathy gets her job and a new place to live, John Williams gives us a jazz-flavored cue that made me feel like I was sitting in a jazz club and not watching a scene where Kenneth gives Kathy the gift of a snowball. Kenneth and Kathy make love, and the theme song gets a reprise that suggests some hope for Kathy as she settles into what she thinks will be a perfect life with Kenneth. Bye, goodbye to the dreams of my childhood. 
dreams I dreamed in the single bed But all that used to be Come my love and stay with me Perfect life doesn't last long. Kathy tells Kenneth she's pregnant, then decides to have an abortion without Kenneth's consent. The scene in the abortion clinic gives us some fairly eerie music on some very familiar instruments, violins, cellos, cymbals, as we see various items in the examination room. Kenneth isn't happy that Kathy had the abortion. As he walks away from their conversation, Williams puts in some low bass with synthesizers to let us know something bad is going through Kenneth's mind. This is often the main responsibility of the composer, to let us know what's happening in a person's mind if they don't say it aloud. After Kathy has married a man named Jack and become pregnant again, Kathy goes Christmas shopping and notices Kenneth dressed as a department store Santa. Once Kenneth sees Kathy, she starts to run away but bumps into a counter full of toys. Some of the theme song lyrics return but with a very eerie tone that is no longer innocent. At the end, you'll hear in the score the primal scream of a woman as Kathy runs away, seemingly telling us what Kathy is feeling at that moment. Baby, 
That's some very thrilling music. Just gave me goosebumps. You sense that Kathy's life is now being turned upside down, that she's a bit disoriented after seeing Kenneth again, and that her innocent life from the beginning of the movie is beginning to wear away. And all of this from about 20 seconds of music. Near the end of the pregnancy, Kathy is getting off a train. She notices that Kenneth is also on the train and runs to her car. Naturally, everyone else who got off the train is long gone, leaving helpless Kathy alone with a car that won't start. She does what pretty much no one else would do. She gets out of the car and runs through an empty park. Following her is Kenneth and some music led by percussion instruments, further ratcheting up the tension. But, and this is what is so great about a composer like John Williams, the music isn't overdone. The acting by Carol White as Kathy is overdone, and you'll have to excuse her screaming in this scene. After that scene, there isn't much to the remainder of the score. As I said earlier, Williams only tries to color in most of the scenes musically instead of going full bore with the orchestra. This makes Daddy's Gone A-Hunting one of the few John Williams scores in which the orchestra isn't given its full due with a big scene. Kenneth's psychopathic ways come to the fore when he kills the doctor who aborted his baby. Again, there are a few hysterics in the music here, though the woman who intruded on the score earlier in the film comes back and wails quietly as Kenneth puts the dead doctor in the stirrups. I also kind of like the plucked bass strings five seconds into the music. They are descending notes that kind of depict the doctor's predicament. <laughs> Thank you. 
Kenneth abducts the baby and manages to walk down the street with it in a cat carrier to avoid suspicion. The music in the scene where Kenneth walks down the street features a snare drum and timpani drum as well as plucked strings. When we see Kenneth, some low notes on the piano signal the danger ahead. There's about 40 minutes of movie left after Kenneth kills the abortion doctor, but only about five minutes of music. One of the moments in the third act is a short scene in which Kathy gets into her car to meet Kenneth. She runs over something in the garage and she thinks it's her baby. But it's actually a doll and there are some low rumbling voices and some runs on the cymbals as we make this discovery. That's kind of cool. Because this score has never been released commercially, I know you're looking to hear more of the music. I'll give you one more scene that takes place before the finale. Kenneth has Kathy going to various locations on her way to meeting him and the baby, and he does this in order to keep the police from following her. She leaves a theater and walks out into an alley. Williams just colors in the scene with low notes through the orchestra as Kathy looks around the alley. There's a bit of music on synthesizers as we see Kenneth waiting for Kathy under a fire escape. So as I said, there's no music in the finale when Kenneth takes the baby to the roof of a tall building with the intent of dropping the baby several stories to his death. I wonder if the discussions Robson and Williams had included a decision to not put music into the final 15 minutes. Without the music, the tension in the finale is so weak that I really wasn't nervous, scared, or sitting on the edge of my seat wondering how it would end. And it's just so odd that Williams agreed to having no music for nearly 15 minutes. Imagine E.T. not having any music in the final 15 minutes and how different that movie would be. After Kenneth falls to his death, the carrier he had been using to transport the baby falls with him and we're led to believe the baby is inside. Synthesizers and a child xylophone play as we see the carrier fall and smash into bits with no baby inside. Kathy has saved the baby, 
Jack is running up the stairs to her, and all ends well with a seemingly happy reprise of the theme song to close out the film. I must move ahead Bye to all that used to be I believe Williams treated his work on Daddy's Gone Hunting very much like he treated his work on Fitzwilly. It was something to keep him busy while he was on a break from working on a musical. But this score wasn't the only thing that kept Williams occupied during his downtime on Goodbye, Mr. Chips. In 1969, Williams wrote his first concerto, simply called the Concerto for Flute and Orchestra. And like parts of the score to Daddy's Gone Hunting, there is an experimental quality to it. Certainly, John Williams had fewer restraints when writing this concerto than he would on a film score. In a film, the music is limited to enhancing the story told in visual form. In a concert hall composition, there are no limits to the composer's imagination and vision. According to a description of the concerto on allmusic.com, the genus for the concerto came from John Williams' fascination with a Japanese flute called a sakuhachi. Williams doesn't use the sakuhachi for his flute concerto, but the breathiness of the Japanese flute inspired his work. I enjoy the percussive elements of this concerto that back up the solo flute, and I like that the flute is the only woodwind employed in the piece. It really helps it stand out. Here's the first minute of the concerto. Thank you. 
One of my favorite parts in the concerto features nothing but the flute, fluttering about the musical scale with no accompaniment. And the way Williams ends this concerto is amazing. I equate the flute with lightness and flight, but there's a strength and power to the finale that balances that out. This is a standout piece of music for John Williams at a time when he seemed to be thriving on discovering new ways to express himself musically. While it is a great piece of music, Williams apparently wasn't keen on having it performed live as soon as it was completed. The flute concerto did not have its first public performance until 1981 when Leonard Slatkin performed it in my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri. I was only seven years old at the time, so I probably didn't attend the premiere. John Williams was insanely popular at the time, with Raiders of the Lost Ark just hitting theaters, so I'm sure it was a sold-out affair. The concerto was recorded by the London Symphony Orchestra in 1983, with principal flute player Peter Lloyd taking center stage. I would imagine this was done after the recording sessions for Return of the Jedi, which were done in early 1983. So, that's our look into the film and score for Daddy's Gone A-Hunting and the little side project that John Williams took on in early 1969. In the next episode, we'll learn about the amazing stories behind Williams' involvement with the musical Goodbye Mr. Chips. Many of the things I've discovered about the making of this film were unknown to me until very recently, and I look forward to sharing it with you and hopefully shedding more light on the creation of this remarkable movie. Until then, you can always reach out to me by email at jeffswim at aol.com or by posting a comment on the Podbean app. And remember, you could be a part of an upcoming show as a guest co-host by sending me an email letting me know which John Williams score is your favorite and why you want to be a part of that particular episode. So, thanks everybody for joining me today, and until next time, the baton is down. Bye, goodbye, bye.